Hi everyone, you're listening to episode number 31 of the Elysium Project podcast, Homeless Outreach with Chaz Smith. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you enjoy listening to the Elysium Project podcast, the number one thing you can do to help this movement grow is share our content with your family and friends. It's free to do so. We are also on Patreon and can be found by heading to www.elysiumproject.tv and clicking the big Patreon button at the bottom of the page. We are currently a listener-supported podcast, and for only $5 per month, you can help support this project. Once you sign up, we'll mail out a personalized gratitude package right to your doorstep, and you're never locked in. You can cancel at any time. Today I'm speaking with Chaz Smith of Be The Change YYC. Be The Change YYC is a grassroots movement established to provide homeless outreach to individuals in the Calgary area. I wanted to speak with Chaz on the topic of homelessness in general to get a better understanding from someone actively working on ending the cycle on how we can all work together to help individuals get off the streets. Chaz Smith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So as I was just chatting to you before we started recording here, um, we actually started both of our our movements, our endeavors in May of 2018. And with a similar view in mind, you're with Be The Change YYC, Homeless Outreach, why don't you introduce yourself, Chaz, and tell us a little bit about what your vision is and what you've been doing the last few years since you've been working on this project. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian. Yeah, so uh, my name's Chaz Smith, and uh, I'm uh, the president and CEO, founder of Be The Change YYC. So um, we, we did, we became a nonprofit uh, May 16, uh, 2018. Uh, we started this movement uh, actually in August of 2015. So we've been running for almost six years, but we became a, a legitimate nonprofit entity around the mm. same time that uh, you started your movement. So um, we're a homeless outreach team. We walk the streets of Calgary, uh, looking in the back alleys, the doorways uh, for people experiencing homelessness uh, that might not be accessing services. So our goal is to end the cycle of homelessness. And we do that by meeting a person, first of all, where they're at. Uh, We provide them with food, water, clothing, hygiene, harm reduction, and now PPE. Um, But ultimately, it's about ending that cycle. So we we really focus on uh, delivering program referrals uh, to programs like housing, detox, medical treatment uh, and emergency shelters. We really want to encourage people to access these programs like housing so that um, we can get them off the streets. Mm-hmm. So you started it actually in 2015 then and you only, and you became the nonprofit in 2018. So you've been doing this for <laughs> almost six years now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, well, been a while. Nice. What was it that inspired you to start this up and start the, the outreach? Yeah, so uh, I experienced homelessness in 05 to 08. Um, and uh, when I experienced homelessness, uh, I actually never had an outreach worker or anyone come and talk to me on the streets. 
uh, sort of just kind of did my own thing. And uh, we had, I guess, our own sort of community uh, uh, to the side of, of everyone else's kind of community. So um, coming from that journey, I, I went into a housing first program uh, in 08. And that ultimately uh, ended my cycle of homelessness because I was now housed. And then I was given supports to kind of teach me uh, life skills and uh, kind of move forward with my life. Uh, I then later got a job at Avenue 15 Youth Shelter in 2010, and I worked there for a couple of years. Uh, and I actually previously lived in that youth shelter. So it was quite uh, an interesting dynamic to uh, have lived there and then be on the other side of that. Uh, during those same years, I also worked with the Calgary Homeless Foundation on the 10-year plan to end youth homelessness. Um, so that gave me some great experience in policy and uh, creating programs. So uh, a few years later, I was just, you know, walking around with some, some friends, some activists in the community. And I said, uh, you know, there's still lots of people experiencing homelessness. There's clearly a need. And, you know, that's, that's sort of my passion. I always wanted to create uh, a sort of outreach team. Even when I was homeless, I, I identified that that was something that we needed. So it was really uh, the intent of creating a program that uh, I know I would have needed when I experienced homelessness. So in 2015, we simply just started handing out sandwiches and a few juice boxes and walking around. And uh, I sort of felt uh, that passion and that inspiration. And uh, I made it a weekly event at that point every Wednesday. And uh, we went from there. Wow. That's amazing. 2005 to 2008, you say you were on the streets? Yeah, so on and off for three years. Yeah. Wow, that's quite quite a while. And there was no outreach team really working at that time, providing anything in the Calgary area? I never had an outreach team ever come and talk to me, no. Wow. Well, good for, good for you guys for, for doing that and setting that up. That's really amazing. Thank you. When, when you're out there doing the outreach, what are you finding that are some of the biggest challenges that people on the streets are facing right now? So when the pandemic first started, um, we had, you know, stay at home kind of order for all of us, stay home, save mm -hmm. lives. Right. Uh, yeah. So you and I, we, we all sheltered kind of indoors. Uh, I, I, I kept running outreach. Uh, all the programs actually shut down. Mm. Um, drop-in services stopped. Uh, nobody was walking the streets anymore downtown. Everybody worked from home. Uh, you know, even the McDonald's and Tim Hortons are on Stephen right. Ave. They, they shut down. So uh, there was no way to get food, uh, no way to get water, no uh, washroom access. Um, so yeah. when I went downtown Calgary to do outreach during the you know the first lockdown, that first wave. Um, the streets were empty. There was no one except for people experiencing homelessness. They were literally left outside while we all stayed indoors. And um, so I saw immediately, first of all, the stress, the anxiety, um, right. and, you know, access to essential services like food, water, and clothing. Um, so this is the challenge of, of, of people experiencing homelessness is meeting just basic needs, food, water, shelter, clothing. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of confusion at that time, I would think, for those on the streets, even knowing like what's what's really happening during that during that initial lockdown there. 
absolutely they um they didn't know what was happening and those that did i I remember the first few outreaches people were you know running at us because they're like i'm really hungry and uh the the sort of panicked energy of uh i need to take as much as i can um while i can get it so they were scared absolutely i think we all were yeah yeah i've been following you for a while and i saw in that beginning there during i mean the panic was very high during the beginning stages of the pandemic especially so people simply you know like as you say the streets were were very empty and that you were still your group was still going out there and doing the outreach so again good good on you guys for that that's really amazing yeah thank you and we scaled up too so uh before the pandemic we were running outreach one time per week on wednesday as as we have done for almost six years and so we scaled up very quickly um thanks to uh Jyoti Gondek who's a city councillor she helped us uh, get space in the downtown core so we could launch our uh, emergency response and we um, scaled up so now we've run Tuesday Wednesday Saturday Sunday and then of course we actually are running almost every day because we have an outreach phone where clients can call and, um, you know, we're, we're able to do uh, different things on our off days as well to support them. So we meet people where they're at. Yeah. During this pandemic, what have the, what's the situation been like in the shelters? Mm-hmm. I mean, how is that, how is that being handled and so forth? Yeah, so I think every shelter has a sort of different uh, take on it. Um, so I know Elf House right now, um, you know, all their clients have to wear masks inside. Uh, mm. But of course, shelters have reduced capacities because yeah. they're trying to have uh, some sort of social distancing. So um, I know for a time, um, capacities were very limited. Um, and then, you know, they became, they created creative solutions like putting plexiglass in between beds. Um, but at first what happened was, uh, when shelters became a breakout site, so they had cases of COVID, Mm. um, they weren't able to actually bring in any new clients anymore. So literally, uh, if you hadn't been in a shelter between that period of that two week buffer period, so you weren't exposed to the person that had COVID you couldn't get into the shelter. So they were essentially shut down to um, a large portion of the population. Wow. That must've been difficult, especially through the winter here in Calgary. Yeah. And uh, so the government actually created a health exemption. They created an order to allow shelters to take in clients. Mm. Um, I can't recall exactly when, but I want to say it was around fall. Um, before it started getting too cold, um, they created exemptions. So shelters could now bring in new clients, although they were considered a breakout site still. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to ask you with homelessness in general, and, and specifically in Calgary, but in general and abroad, what do you feel, be, being out there on the streets and having been on the streets yourself, but being out there now in outreach on the other end, helping um trying to end this cycle what are some of the things that society do you think can can change to address better address this this issue that is you know so often just overlooked i think yeah um you know i i like to identify that um 
homelessness is a lack of having a home. Um, and uh, we all need supports, um, but until a person has a home, um, it, it's really difficult to, to really understand uh, what type of supports they need. Every home comes with, you know, their own natural supports. Like, do you go to church? Uh, is there a park across the street? Do you have a doctor's office? Do you play sports? You know, so there's these natural supports, but we need a home. Um, and how do we maintain homes? If housing is not affordable, um, then, then people can't keep their housing and they end up homeless. So this is really a housing problem where we need to really advocate for affordable housing because affordable housing is the prevention of homelessness and also part of the solution of ending homelessness. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think I was reading one of your, or an article regarding your organization. And I believe you're talking about, you know, using some of the office space downtown because we live in a, those who don't know, we're in a big city, a million people, and we have quite a number of office buildings downtown that are very vacant right now. Yeah. And I think um, that's a frustrating piece, absolutely, because as you mentioned in that article, it identifies 28% vacancy rate in Calgary. Oh, oh. So this is not um, a lack of, of, of housing. It's just a right. lack of action to provide that housing. There's more than enough space for everybody. Uh, it's just a matter of making that accessible to everybody. Yeah, that is very much the core belief behind our project here with Elysium Project is that we do have the means to solve a lot of these, these problems with poverty and, and all the challenges we have in the world, but we're simply not applying them. I think that's a really, it's a big challenge. How do you, how do you change the world in such a way that you get people to take notice of these things more and want to take action to, to um, be that change? Absolutely. And I think, uh, in this case of, of homelessness, uh, I'm very uh, adamant that we need to provide more housing and we need to make sure that housing stays affordable. Um, you know, if I can't afford my housing, if my friends can't and my family, my structures can't, um, then inevitably we might end up homeless too. And I think we all need to understand that, um, you know, homelessness uh, sort of begets homelessness in a way. Uh, when you end up in the stress of not having a home, not having these natural supports, um, your mental health, you develop mm -hmm. mental health, anxiety, depression, you're not always able to sleep when you want to sleep. You can't eat what you want to eat. You don't get to eat when you want to eat. You're told when to eat. You have to ask to shower, to do laundry. You lose a lot of your independence and the inherent dignity that comes with being a human and an independent human. Um, so when we see people using substances or we're walking the streets and we see people experiencing mental health, we have to understand that sometimes that is a result of the environment. Absolutely. And so we need to meet people where they're at, get them back into housing, give them independence and that dignity that comes with being an independent human. Uh, and then we can deal with the, the surrounding mental health that has developed um, sometimes I often ask what came first, the chicken or the egg in, in this situation. Right. Yeah, very true. And what is the city 
doing our, our city specifically in terms of addressing some of the, the affordable housing and so forth? Uh, and that's a question I often ask. Uh, I was in a meeting, uh, a <laughs> coffee meeting with Josie Gondek. It was like a Zoom chat. And I, I said, you know, what are we doing um, to create more affordable housing for people experiencing homelessness? Uh, and she said, you know, we need to provide affordable housing with supports, which is amazing. Um, what I would absolutely love to see uh, is the city um, continue to develop more affordable housing and um, attainable housing um, on a scale much larger than what they currently have been doing. There are a few programs. I would like to see that expanded though. Um, we obviously have a need, so um, I, I think there's opportunity here. And I love her passion uh, as a city councilor. She's now running for mayor. And so I will uh, continue to follow up with her on, on her plan. She has supported Be The Change in helping us grow to expand, to serve this, this population in, um, you know, unprecedented circumstances. So um, I, I have no doubt that she'll continue to, to work with us and hopefully other city councillors will continue that process as well. Mm -hmm. Do you know of any examples of other cities or areas in the world where they're, they're doing maybe a better job than we are at supporting and, and providing affordable housing for the homeless population? Yeah, I, I know that in some countries um, they have, you know, I think it's called like the Norwegian model where right. you know, they just provide people with housing when, when they need it, you know, Switzerland, Norway and, and wow. stuff like that. And, you know, it has a healthy capitalist uh, open market. Uh, they're also able to provide, right. you know, the social services that, that come with that. So uh, I believe it's a, it's a deal that's been made with governments, the people and corporations uh, to make sure that people uh, have these provisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there needs to be a safety net. It's, a, it's our, our right, I believe, as children of this world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's more than enough, right? There is. Do you think there's going to be like a universal basic income coming in Canada in the next few years. I mean, post this COVID pandemic where more or less that's what was provided. Do you think that that's on the horizon? I, I do see a lot of people talking about that. I think that um, it, it sort of makes sense. Uh, when we have people, you know, experiencing homelessness, they become institutionalized. So the cost, which you can easily find on Homeless Hub, is uh, $66,000 to $120,000 per person per year is what that costs. It's something like $30 billion um, on, on our taxes or equivalent to one cent of our GST that uh, we're paying just to maintain, you know, homelessness and poverty in this way. So I think that um, it, it sort of makes sense that we could redirect those funds and have people have a, a sort of universal basic income and then, you know, um, really concentrate on providing the supports so that people mm -hmm. that do want to work can work and people that uh, want to go back to school can go back to school. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure that um, the powers that be per se will, will, will want that because ultimately okay. this falls into politics and politicians right and uh the question will always be asked 
then at that point, um, why do I have to work while they get something for free? And um, while I understand that people should have all their basic needs being met and, and that that's just part of being a human and we can provide it, so why not? Um, people will ask that question. Um, you know, so there's pride, there's ego, and it's a, a political system that we're working with here. And that system has often created poverty and homelessness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a new, it's a new idea to a lot of people doing that. Um, on the flip side, I guess, though, as, as we were talking about that, I'm thinking, because I did read some articles about how the, these handouts of when the COVID-19 first hit and they were handing that out to people, there was more overdoses for those people because they just suddenly had access to money and uh, did, was that the case in Calgary? Did you f- find were there more overdoses due to that? Um, I, I wouldn't say that that's the case. I think okay. that um, that might have been a politically geared statement. Um, yeah. I think what I saw uh, was people that were able to collect some of that CRB that have some mental health, um, you know, that, that have some alcoholism that they were uh, able to actually drink real alcohol instead of, you know, things like vanilla extract and, and hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. And those are neurotoxins, like they damage your, your nervous system. So it was great to see that uh, they could afford real alcohol and uh, not damage their body in such a devastating way. Uh, I think the overdose rates of what we're seeing is because the, the border has actually been shut down. So the, the fentanyl and the opiates that usually cross that border have not been able to get into our country the same way. So what has happened, and, and you'll see stats that pharmacies have actually been robbed now more often since the oh, border right. has shut. And many pharmacists in Calgary now have to lock their doors um, before they let a patient in. So what's happened is um, the, what they're cutting the opiates now with are, um, you know, like benzodiazepines and like sleeping medication and all sorts of, of other uh, medications so that they can make the, the drugs actually go further. And uh, we're seeing stronger versions of fentanyl, like carfentanyl um, mm. being shipped into our country because it's a smaller amount that you can uh, uh, push a further way. Um, so it's, it's actually, it could very well be that it's the border being shut, um, and all these other drugs being mixed in that that's truly what's causing the, the overdoses and Narcan is not, uh, it does not work on these other medications. Mm. So that's why we're seeing, um, the increase of deaths. I think they went up by three, three times, um, what they previously were. So it's unfortunate and, uh, I'm not sure that it's related to CRB though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the opioid crisis and how we as a society can do a better job of addressing it? Um, I, I think that there's a, a few different solutions out there. Um, I do know firsthand that I have many clients that want to go to detox. Um, right now, they're, they're lining up outside of you know, Renfrew and Renfrew does a great job. Um, we only have two detoxes right now in Calgary. So it represents something like 80 beds for all of Calgary and area to detox. 
Um, so when you have to line up for days on end to get into detox and then convince them that you're actually the sickest person in that lineup to get in, I would suggest that actually the, the problem is that we're not providing the supports for people that, <laughs> that actually want to change. So mm -hmm. we need to actually concentrate on um, uh, more detox programs and then treatment. Right. Almost more of like a compassionate care approach. Reckon, yeah. seeing seeing yeah having empathy for for the addicts so often they're dismissed in this society i mean if you want to detox you should be able to go detox right now mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i agree so this podcast is a has a global audience chaz um just curious what if you your, your organization is called Be The Change. Um, if you, you have the opportunity now to speak to this, this audience of people around the world, what do you think is number one thing we can, we can do right now in our lives to be the change and, and make this world a more positive, loving place? Yeah, I, I would say just think of others before we think of ourselves in some cases. And uh, in this case of poverty, uh, people that need food, water, clothing, uh, and shelter. Um, if you can help provide these essentials of survival, um, think of them and help them. And don't stop advocating for these basic needs to be provided. Um, there's enough in the world for all of us, and we just need to share. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a critical statement that we've repeated a couple times in this podcast that there, there is enough for all of us and there's, we sh all should, it's our God-given right to be supported and have all our basic needs being met. And it's, uh, it's just unacceptable that that is, we've built a world where that's not the case. And we have this uh, obscenely rich 1%. Well, meanwhile, the 99% struggling so hard um, what are you, what's your focus right now would be the change YYC in the future five-year plan? What's the five-year plan that you, you guys have going on and your goals right now? Uh, in our five-year plan, what we're looking at is um, we need to have an outreach center. So a place where people can actually just have a drop-in service and shower, do laundry, have computer search, um, mm -hmm. maybe uh, like a training course, different, you know, trade coming in every day of the week, um, and then ultimately housing. Uh, we're working right now on what we're calling a rapid housing initiative with wraparound services. We partnered with um, Grow Calgary, uh, which is a fantastic 38 acre farm. They have animals, they have greenhouses, they have micro homes, uh, they have wow. fruits, vegetables, all sorts of stuff. So uh, we just in, in, uh, brought in our first client into this new program that we've designed. And uh, we rapidly rehoused them. We redirected them from ever having to go back into the shelter system. And uh, now we have a, a day program that we're going to hopefully get them trained back up in some skills and trades and uh, just work from there. Wow, that's super cool. What did you say the name was of that the farm that you're working Gr with? Grow Calgary. Grow Calgary. That's and there's cool. another farm as well that we're collaborating with. So we, we like have some the housing is on site it's like a community type thing or the housing is in calgary um it's just like private housing there's there's lots oh, of gosh. rooms for rent and stuff like that 
but uh, the day program, like how do we, um, you know, have a wraparound service to teach a person independence and bring back that dignity and keep mm-hmm. them kind of occupied for a time, but potentially leave them with employment opportunities. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. We're excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for, for you and your team. And it sounds like you're doing all the good things. I'm really happy to see it. Really, really excited for you guys. Uh, quickly, before we finish here, if um, the listeners want to find out about Be The Change YYC, where can they find you online? Yeah, uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Be The Change YYC, or you can visit us on our website, which is Be The Change YYC.org. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again, Chaz, for coming on the show. Appreciate it and appreciate all the work that you're doing with your organization. Yeah. And thank you for the work you're doing as well, Brian. I I appreciate the mission and, and what you're going for. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to the show today. Remember, if you like what you just heard, the number one thing you can do to help support this vision is share this episode with your family and friends. And as always, if you want to, we really appreciate any and all of you who support us on Patreon by heading to www.elysiumproject.tv and clicking the big Patreon button at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.